so glad that you're here with us to celebrate Christmas together this morning. I do want to take a little bit of time in God's Word together with us this morning to actually finish a, a series of Christmas messages, which we've entitled the entire series for four weeks, Believing in Christmas. It's been a focus on faith that God is calling us to believe in Christmas. It is, it is the response that God is calling each one of us to. It is about God speaking, revealing things. And when God speaks, when God reveals, he calls us to respond in faith. Each week for the past three weeks, we've been talking about faith and we've been mentioning just how important faith is. Your faith is the most important thing about you. But we haven't to this point really explained just how important it is how so very important it is. In John chapter 12, it begins by Jesus saying he knew that his hour was coming and Jesus makes his way into the city to a festival, but he knows it's the final days of his life on earth. And he begins to make some statements, some very powerful, very important statements. It's a wonderful chapter. It begins talking about how a, a grain of wheat must fall and die in order for it to bear fruit. And he lays out these wonderful statements. But when, he gets, when we get towards the end of the chapter, he says this. He says, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me, meaning whoever sees me understands and perceives who I am who I truly am. And then in verse 48, he makes this statement. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. That's an important verse, and it tells us a couple important things to understand. First, that faith in the biblical sense is not just believing in anything. It's not simply having some inner sense of confidence in some future picture you have in your mind, but instead it is believing what God has revealed about himself. It is believing God's word. That is a biblical understanding of faith. And secondly, what this verse tells us is that rejecting what God has said, rejecting what God has revealed about himself is the basis for God's condemnation. This is why I say it is so important. It's not your past sins necessarily. It's not the mistakes that you've made in life or the bad choices that you've made. The final judgment about you and about me has everything to do with what kind of a response you and I have to what God has said and what God has revealed. That is determinative and that is important which is why your faith is so important which is why we've wanted to spend these four weeks pressing down and talking about your faith and what you believe we've been learning about faith through various characters in the Christmas story we started with Simeon the Holy Spirit revealed to him, spoke to him, that he would see the Lord's Messiah while he was still living on this earth. And so Simeon believed God and waited. 
And one day the Spirit prompted him into the temple, and he went, and lo and behold, there was the Messiah, whom he met and held in his arms. Faith waits. Faith believes and is able to wait. Then we moved on to the wise men. Wise because it was revealed to them that the king of kings was born. And they responded by believing and leaving home and going to seek him out to worship him. Faith believes the word of the Lord enough to go and pursue and seek. We looked at the shepherds. Wonderful examples of faith, amazing examples. They believed the word of the Lord. They went to go and see him. They told others what they had heard about the Lord, and they returned home glorifying God and rejoicing. We've had excellent examples, pictures, demonstrations of what faith looks like, piecing together a broader understanding of what it really means to believe. This morning, we want to take a look at Mary. Take a look at Mary's faith Mary is a great example of faith because of how she processed the things the Lord had said. She's perplexed. She thinks hard. She asks questions to better understand. And then in faith, surrenders herself to the Lord's will. We might perceive faith to be something like just blindly, unquestioningly accepting whatever is said. It's not uncommon for people to perceive that, even walking into this church, a church that we hold in very high esteem, what we believe, our doctrine is important. And so you can pick up on that and you could walk into this room and you could say, well, you better not ask any questions here. They're pretty sure about what they believe. And you might have questions inside your own soul and you might feel like, I'm not sure it's safe to ask questions. You might be visiting, sitting in a community group. And you have some thoughts, some doubts, some wondering. I'm not sure that that's true. What about this and how about that? But you certainly could be under some perception that I'm not sure it's okay to ask questions. Mary's a wonderful example for us. God comes and speaks to her. And she says, excuse me, I've got a couple questions about this. And so we want to take a look at those. Let's read our text a few, uh, couple paragraphs in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end and mary said to the angel how will this be since i am a virgin and the angel said to her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of god and behold your relative elizabeth 
in her old age also has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want to look at the two questions that Mary asked this angel. What kind of greeting is this, and how can this be? What and how? What kind of greeting? Mary was greatly troubled. We know from the shepherds when angels show up, it's very troubling. It's fearful. It's scary. But it says nothing about her reaction to seeing an angel. It's all about the greeting. Why would he address me like that? Why would he say, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you? Why such exalted terms? Why did he address me in this way? Why favored one? Why say the Lord is with me? It was actually her faith that pressed her to better know and understand. Can you imagine if the angel showed up to Mary and Mary said, well, it's about time. Where have you been? Because I knew I just knew from a young age that I was meant for greatness. I knew in my soul God was going to use me. I sensed that about myself. And so where have you been all this time? Can you imagine if that were Mary's response? You see, presumption is not evidence of faith. But her perplexity is. She was troubled. She was perplexed. I don't understand. Why would you talk to me that way? Why would you say that to me? Why would you call me favored? I remember a conversation with my son when he was just a boy, and he had done something wrong. I don't remember what. He did a few things wrong in his life. And so we were having a discussion after this, and we were just talking it through about right and wrong and good and bad and heart, what's driving it, what's going on, and repentance, and sorrow over sin, and, and grace, and forgiveness. And we were just kind of walking through a little gospel gamut of, okay, this is, this is the process we go through when we do things that are wrong. And he was responding very well. He was broken. He was genuinely sorry about what he did, and he was repenting and responding well and, and, and receiving. And at some point, late in the conversation, I said, I'm proud of you. And as soon as I said, I'm proud of you, he got this perplexed look on his face, and he said, why? Why? He, just, he, was, he was really aware of what he had done wrong. I said, and, and, and somehow in the conversation, I said, I'm proud of you. And he says, why would you address me that way? That doesn't make any sense to me. That perplexes me that you would say that. And, of course, from where I was sitting, it's like, He's my son. There's nothing he could have done to change his status with me, my love for him. So I had a posture that I was taking with him, but from where he was sitting, he found that statement very perplexing. And so did Mary. Friends, if I were to say to you, God loves you, would you say, well, yeah, yeah, of course he does. What else is he going to do? What's not to love anyway? Is that, or does it perplex you, even in the slightest? God loves you. Is that not just a bit perplexing? Church, 
if I were to declare over you as a congregation, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Does that not just trouble you a little bit? Does that not perplex you slightly? Or do you hear those words and just say, well, of course we are. What else would we be? Could we be? No, when God speaks and his grace towards us, his favor towards us, it's actually a response of faith to be perplexed, quizzical, wondering, why? Why would you speak to me that way? Why would you make that declaration over my life? She asked the question. She was troubled. Well, Gabriel goes on to explain, which leads us to the second question. Gabriel explains, uh, don't be afraid, Mary. You're going to have a baby. You're going to bear a son. You're about to bring a new life into this world. And not just any life, he will be great, and he will be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his king, of his kingdom there will be no end. That's the son you are going to bring into this world. That's the new life that your body is going to bring into this world. But Mary had one question. How? Lord... Wait a minute. How? Okay, a teenage girl pledged to be married, but not yet married. Knew enough about the birds and the bees to know how new life is brought into the world and says, and clearly Gabriel is telling her, you are going to have this child before being married. And she says, I've got one question. How can this be? What you are saying to me is going to happen is impossible. Tammy and I planned on four children, and we had five. And when she told me number five was on the way, my reaction was, that's impossible. <laughs> but I was mistaken. It's very possible. And of course, now I cannot imagine the world without Ashley in it, and what a joy and special young lady she is, but we were surprised. But it was possible. Mary's question was, this is impossible. I know this to be true. This is physically impossible thing to happen. The angel explained to her, well, there is a way that it is possible, and here's what it is. The Holy Spirit is going to bring it about. This is something that God himself is going to bring about. And here we have the virgin birth, because with the Lord, nothing is impossible. The virgin birth is actually an important doctrine in the Christian faith. It affirms a few important things. First, that salvation belongs to the Lord, and it does not come about by human effort or ingenuity. Secondly, it helps us to explain how Jesus 
had two dual simultaneous natures, was both divine and human existing in one person, a human mother but a divine father in order to bridge the gap between God and man. Thirdly, the virgin birth also helps us to understand and explains how Jesus could take on humanity without inheriting the original sin that we have all inherited through Adam. There's something else that is only possible with God. There is something else, another new life, that is only possible with God. And it's you and I becoming children of God. The ability, the power for you and I to become children of God should cause us to raise our hands and say, excuse me, I have a question. How can this be? How could I, human, sinner, failures, shortcomings, be united to a holy, majestic God? Excuse me, how can this be? That does not look possible. That looks impossible. I know we were all created by God. That is not the same thing as now currently being a child of God. We've all been created by God. And in that sense, value. Value on each and every life is what the Bible teaches. But becoming a child of God is something altogether different and beyond merely existing as God's creation. The majesty and holiness of God are too great for us to approach and presume upon. Even the best of us have fallen too far. All of us come up short. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. How can this be? Here's the answer. The Holy Spirit can bring this about. The Spirit of God can bring about this new life. How can sinners be reconciled to God? How can this be? Because, John 1, 9. Because the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Supernatural rebirth into the family of God. Mary asked two questions in this short section of text that we looked at, and she got two answers to her questions. Apparently, the answers were satisfactory because at this point, we see Mary with a sweet surrender of faith. The answers were both amazing and satisfying. Her questions were birthed in faith, and the answers she was given only increased her faith. 
as she asked and as the Lord answered, her heart kept moving more and more towards that willing surrender to the Lord's will for her life. Oh, she will have more questions. She will experience some sorrows in her life. She will experience some difficult times as well as some good times. She was willing to ask, willing to seek. And the Lord met her and helped to establish her heart to a place of glad surrender. So then we see this true evidence of faith, a willing, glad surrender to the Lord's plan. Beautiful picture of faith. Wonderful permission to ask questions. Wonderful picture of how faith is not just an assumed, okay, yes, I will just smile and nod at everything you say. I will just agree automatically to whatever I hear, whatever I say. I've heard many a preacher stand up and boldly say, the Bible said it and so I believe it leaving many of us sitting in the pews with questions, saying, so is it okay to ask? And here comes Mary. Excuse me, that doesn't make sense to me. I need to know more. Can you tell me how? Can you help me make sense? That's perplexing. Can you put my mind at ease about this? And we see a wonderful process and growth of faith into the kingdom leading to this beautiful place, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me according to your word. Worship team, you can come on up. God has revealed so much of himself, so much of his plan in Christmas. Christmas is the fulfillment of God's promises to save that go back as far as Genesis chapter 3. Christmas is God showing his great love for us by sending his son. Christmas is the arrival of the Savior who would save us from our sins. And our response to what God has said and to what God has done is a calling to you and to me to believe in Christmas, to believe what he said, to believe what he's done, to see it, to understand it, to perceive it, to embrace it, to, and say, I believe. And I'm the Lord's servant. And so let it be to me according to your word. Do you believe in Christmas? I hope you do. I hope you do. Do you have questions about Christmas? I hope you ask them. And I hope the people around you that hear that question don't leave you the impression that you shouldn't ask questions around here because you should. And I'm glad when you do. Because I know that God has some wonderful satisfying and amazing answers to the questions you have in your heart. Okay, we're going to close our time together. A little candle.